So we're continuing our series on We Need a Hero. And if you need to catch up, please go back and watch some of the messages that we've already done online. But today I want to talk to you about something that's not a lot of fun to talk about. However, I think it has the potential to really change our life. By the way, talking about what's happening in the end times, what scripture says will happen in the end times... It's great information, but I want to remind all of us that transformation is a lot better than information. When God gave us his word, he gave us his word to know him personally. That's the primary reason that we would know the God who made us, loves us, and who has a plan for our life. That information alone should transform our life. And scripture was also given not just to know God, but on how to live life, especially during these times. That creates transformation in our heart and in our life, and it changes everything. Well, I think the information we're going to talk about today should do that. It should cause something in our mind and in our heart to really think about what's to come. Not for you if you're a believer. We talked about that last week, and we'll kind of echo that a little bit at the very end of the message. However, what I want to talk about for the next few minutes is... The world really is setting up just like Jesus said it would and just like scripture talks about that it would. And so I remember a few years ago uh, of, of seeing this picture of David Rockefeller and he actually gave this at the UN uh, business conference in 1994 and here's what he said. All we need is the right major crisis and the nations will accept the new world order. All we need is the right major crisis and the world can set itself up to come together, new world order, which has to happen, scripture talks about, so that the one called the Antichrist, talk about him in a moment, can lead the world. That's a fascinating statement that he made. When you read the headlines around the world, could it be that COVID actually is that crisis event. Don't fear COVID-19. Fear the new world order takeover is what one article said. And when you read about the nations, just like we're trying to scramble as a church thinking, hey, how can we reach more people? What's church going to look like? That's what world leaders, they're thinking as well. What's the world look like now? Let me just run through some articles for you. The world order is dead. Here's how to build a new one for a post-coronavirus era. Here's the next one. Can China use coronavirus to pave the way to a new world order? Another one. Putin seeking to create new world order with rogue states amid coronavirus crisis report claims. Also, post-corona new world order. Not entirely Western. So you literally have world leaders... Thinking about this is the moment, this is the time, a new world order, what's it going to look like now? And so this event, this crisis, could actually set everything up for exactly what the Bible says will happen in the last days. Now, I'm super excited again to have our Prophecy Pro, Jeff Kinley, uh, with us. And this is his new book that I highly recommend, Interview with the Antichrist, written in such a creative way. And he talks about in this book what it will be like when the Antichrist comes on the scene, what it will be like during the tribulation time. And so, Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk to us about the Antichrist, the New World Order, and what does the tribulation hold for the world? Thanks so much, Kenny. Okay, 
Antichrist. Some of you guys have been really waiting for this session because the Antichrist is history's mystery man. He is the most enigmatic figure in all of world history. So let's begin by just asking the question, why should we even talk about Antichrist? Let me give you a couple reasons before we dive into some of the meat of who this guy really is. Number one, he's in the Bible. Hey, if it's in the Bible, it's worth talking about, right? Secondly, there are over a hundred passages in the Bible that talk about Antichrist. That alone makes him very significant. Also, 36 times in the book of Revelation, he is called the beast. In fact, he's the most major player in all of end times prophecy with the exception of Jesus Christ himself. So yeah, that's a big reason. But also, prophetic ignorance or not knowing about Bible prophecy leads or can lead to fear, anxiety, and even worse than all that is error and sort of fake news about the Antichrist. We don't want to be misled. And then finally, according to the Bible, what we're seeing around us today, we are living in the last days. So all those are really big reasons for why we should talk about the Antichrist. So now I just want to talk about really five or six things about the Antichrist. First, the who, the where, the what, the when, and the why. And then ultimately, so what? Why are we even doing this, right? Let's talk about the who. Well, in Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 9, Daniel tells us a lot about the character of the Antichrist. And when we piece this silhouette figure together, we find out that he is a person that is very charismatic. He's very cunning. He's a great speaker or a great orator. He is uh, politically ambitious. He's going to have to be uh, to do what he's going to do. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But he's also going to be a peacemaker. But in his peacemaking, he's going to be deceptive and he's going to mislead others. The Bible also says that he is a lawless person. In fact, he's called in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the man of lawlessness. And that just simply means that he is a law unto himself. He makes his own rules to live by. That's a little bit, just a little snapshot of the who. Let's go to the where. Where's this guy coming from? Well, Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 tells us that he will initially rise out of the sea of the Gentiles. We put Revelation 17, Revelation 13 together. We see that he comes out of the sea of the Gentiles or just out of Gentile nations. Now, more specifically, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 tells us that the people of the prince who is to come will destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And when you look at history, what happened in 70 A.D., is that the Roman general Titus came through Jerusalem and he sacked Jerusalem, destroying the temple and fulfilling the prophecy that not only Daniel had, but also Jesus had in Matthew 24, where Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another. So we know that he will arise out of the Roman Empire, some form of the Roman Empire. We don't believe he's going to be a Jew. We don't believe he's going to be a Muslim uh, because of some other reasons that I give you in the book. You have to check those out. And I think he's going to be a Gentile. So that's the where, where he's coming from. What about the what? Well, the Bible tells us in Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and Daniel 9, that there's going to be a final form of the old Roman Empire that's going to be revived under this man Antichrist. It's going to be a ten-nation confederacy. Uh, some people think there's going to be something like the current European Union. I think European Union has 27 or 29 members right now. But he's going to be a 10-nation alliance that's going to come together. 
And the Bible tells us it's going to be a global government that he's going to lead. However, something very important is going to happen. In this age, this seven-year tribulation period, which we'll talk about in just a minute, during this time is going to be a time of great signs and great wonders and great miracles happening all over the world. Not necessarily the good kind of signs and wonders. But the Bible tells us that something's going to happen at the midpoint of the tribulation period. That the Antichrist is going to be assassinated. He's going to suffer a fatal head wound, the Bible says, by the sword. And that could just mean death in general, some sort of attack on him, or it could mean an actual sword. However, Scripture goes on to say that he's not just going to die, but he's actually going to rise from the dead. He's going to mimic the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At that point, Scripture tells us, he is going to enter a rebuilt Jewish temple. Now, hang on for a second. Whoa, Jeff, there is no Jewish temple right now. That's right. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. But right now, the Temple Institute has already drawn up plans to rebuild a temple. All they need is some sort of peace treaty or peace plan to be able to have their temple again. The Bible tells us that that's going to happen. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. So the Antichrist is going to enter the Jewish temple after he raises himself or is raised from the dead. And he's going to enter the Holy of Holies and he's going to proclaim himself to be God. Now, I know that's unimaginable for you and I today to think about that, but that's exactly what's going to happen. And at that moment, something dramatic is going to happen. In fact, the entire point of the tribulation period is going to pivot on that one event. And at that point, the Bible says in Romans, uh, excuse me, Revelation 13, that both the Antichrist and the false prophet, who'll sort of be his right-hand man, his, his PR guy, they're going to implement a new economic and religious system for the entire world. You know it as the mark of the beast or 666. And the Bible says that without that mark on your hand or on your forehead, you're not going to be able to buy any as so much as a stick of gum or make a mortgage payment. You're going to have to have that mark. And that mark will identify you as a worshiper of the beast, a worshiper of Antichrist or of Satan himself. And so that's why the scripture tells us in Revelation that no Christian will take that mark at that time. Those, Christ, those people have become Christians during the tribulation period. COVID-19 is not the mark of the beast. The vaccine for COVID-19 is not the mark of the beast. It's going to be something that, that, emblem, that is emblematic of the Antichrist himself, either his name or the number of his name, which is 666. Okay, So that's what's going to happen in, at the midpoint of the tribulation. Now, when is he going to come on the scene? That's a really big point because people will say things like, well, Jeff, could the Antichrist be alive today? And the answer is, of course, yes, of course he could. In fact, I believe that Satan has had an Antichrist figure ready in every generation to take over this role as Antichrist. Why? Because Satan is not privy to God's eternal plan. He's not privy to God's prophetic calendar. And so Satan has to have someone ready in every generation. So certainly the Antichrist could be alive today. Well, when's he going to come on the scene? Well, Revelation, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7 tell us that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until after the restrainer is removed. The restrainer is the restraining influence of sin and lawlessness in the world today. You think things are bad right now? Wait till after the rapture when basically all of the floodgates are opened up and sin is allowed to run rampant on this earth. 
So the Bible says the restrainer has to be taken out of the way and then the Antichrist will be revealed. I take that restrainer to be the Holy Spirit's influence through the church. And so therefore, once the rapture occurs, once the Christians are taken out of the way and the Holy Spirit's influence in this world for us being salt and light to the world and truth to the world, once we're taken away, no one is left to restrain evil. So if you think the lawlessness, the anarchy, the craziness, the madness of our world is bad now, just wait till after the rapture. So the Antichrist is not going to be revealed until after the rapture. And then once that happens, that's not when the tribulation period begins. The seven-year time period, that clock begins the moment the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel, according to Daniel 9.27. And that starts God's prophetic clock ticking for seven years. Now, I've had lots of people who have come up to me at conferences where I'm speaking, and they're whispering in my ear, I know who the Antichrist is. And I'm always you know, curious to see what they're going to say. Because I know, according to Scripture, you cannot know who the Antichrist is until after we're gone. So the bad news is, if you think you know who the Antichrist is, or if you really do know who he is, bad news is you're in the tribulation period right now. So we don't know who he is. We cannot know who he is. Of course, many political figures have exhibited Antichrist-like characteristics, but that doesn't mean that they're the Antichrist. So that's when he's going to come on the scene immediately following the rapture. Now, why? This is a good question. Why is there even an Antichrist? Well, that's an easy one. You see, Satan's desire, his long ancient desire, has always been to rule the world and to be worshipped. If you think back on Ezekiel chapter 28, Isaiah chapter 14, Satan attempted a coup on heaven. He attempted to take God's throne. And the Bible says the angels threw him down to the earth at that time. And that's when Lucifer became Satan. That's when the angelic host, a third of them, followed Satan and became demons, fallen angels. And so Satan came down to the earth. And the Bible says that his ambition has always been, as we, we trace it throughout history, we see him offering the kingdoms of the world to Jesus because he has legitimate right to those things. And yet Christ, of course, said no to that offer. But Satan's desire has always been to rule the world and to be worshipped. And this is why, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, that Satan will demand that the world worship the Antichrist because the Antichrist is possessed by Satan. He's only one of two people that's ever portrayed in the Bible as being possessed or controlled by Satan. One is Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, and the other is Antichrist. So Satan wants to rule the world. His long ambition is to be worshipped and he wants to destroy the Jewish people. And those are his ambitions. And that's why there's an Antichrist. Now keep in mind, the word anti means not only in place of, but it means against. So if he's an Antichrist, he's trying to mimic the real Christ in many areas. Uh, he has a fatal wound. He rises from the dead. He causes people to worship him, those type of things. But he's also against Christ in that he speaks out, the Bible says in Daniel and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, great blasphemies. In fact, he's the most blasphemous person to ever walk the face of the earth. So that's why Satan's doing this thing. So let me just finish by asking this question. You're probably saying, well, okay, so what? I mean, you know, those are all very interesting things, but, but why is that so important to me? Well, here's a couple of really important reasons. Number one, don't be uninformed. You know, one of the things that Jesus was really stern about in the New Testament was he didn't like it when his followers didn't know what the Bible says. 
And in fact, he rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16 for not knowing what the prophecy said about him. He rebuked the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24 for not knowing what the prophecy said about the coming Messiah. So Jesus puts a high value on Bible prophecy and in knowing it. And when we know it, that knowledge uh, gives us power, gives us that confidence. The second thing is 1 John 2.18 says this. It says, little children, this is the last hour. I mean, from the first century till now, officially is the last days. We're just living in the last of the last days. And he says there in 1 John 2.18, he says, we know that Antichrist is coming. He's a real human being. He's called with male pronouns. He's mentioned five times by name in 1 John, 36 times in the book of Revelation uh, as the beast. So we know he's a real person and that he's a, a real man. But the reason we should know about him is not only the reasons I gave at the very beginning uh, of this little talk, but also because the Bible tells us that the spirit of Antichrist was alive even in the first century. And as we ramp up to Revelation, my friends, listen, the spirit of Antichrist is growing and growing and growing in our world right now. And what is that spirit? Well, it's Antichrist. Anything that is anti-Christian, it's anti-Scripture, it's anti-God. And we see that all over our world, especially in our own world and our own country and culture today. But also the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of deception. And Satan is very crafty at his schemes and he's very good at what he does. And Christians who don't know the Word of God, who are not skilled in Scripture, they're easily misled by a lot of different rumors and things like that. And that's why it's very important for us to study what the Bible says about Antichrist, not listen to a bunch of rumors, but go straight to the source where God says. So watch out for the deception. That's why it's important. And then also to develop discernment. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 5 that mature Christians are those who have developed, it says, by practice, by practice, practice in the scriptures, develop discernment. Discernment is the ability to know the difference between not just good and evil, but the difference between the subtle lies of Satan and those subtle schemes that he tries to trip us up with in our lives today. And so it's very important that we recognize spirit of Antichrist also so that we can tell others and warn them about not being around during that time of tribulation to give their lives to Jesus Christ, okay? So those are just some quick facts about Antichrist. I list 30 different discussion questions about Antichrist in the back of my book, Interview with the Antichrist. This is going to be a great tool for you to give to someone who's interested in the last days. The last thing I'll say is this, is that keep in mind, people say to me, oh, I'm afraid of Revelation. I'm afraid to go. It scares me to talk about the end times. Listen, when you study Bible prophecy, keep this in mind. Bible prophecy never breeds fear. It only builds your faith. Never breeds fear. If you're doing it right, it only builds your faith. You're going to get stronger and stronger the more you look into God's Word and to see what He says about the times in which we're living and the times that are coming. So that's a little bit about Antichrist. I hope that was helpful. Kenny, back to you. Hey, thanks, Jeff. And don't forget to join us online live as we answer your questions on August 16th about the end times. So, Make sure you follow this link, and if you're not receiving our e-newsletter each week, it'll give you more information about that event. But it's interesting what Jeff said, isn't it? Now, one interesting prophecy in Scripture is that in the end times, the Antichrist will go into the temple to desecrate the temple with his presence, telling the world that he's the one to worship. Well, here's an interesting question. 
Is that temple being built now? And if not, are there even talks about a temple? The answer is a resounding yes. Here's one article. End of the world. Jerusalem third temple fulfills biblical prophecy of the end times. Here's another article. Leaked plans for third temple in Jerusalem. You can actually take a tour of the third temple that is planning to be built. Uh, they have already built the menorah. They have just finished, I saw the video a couple of weeks ago, of the crown that the priest actually will wear made of solid gold. It's a fascinating, fascinating look as to plans for the temple already being built in this moment. So again, everything lining up exactly like scripture said it would be. But again, it's great information. But what we would rather have in all of our lives is transformation. What we would rather know, how do we live during these times? And that's what I want to share with you for just a few moments. When it comes to our transformation, I believe, knowing all of what we're learning, that we should be driven by hope. That we are hope-driven What's the hope for believers in Jesus Christ? Number one, that we're not going to go through the tribulation. That's a lot of hope. And also, hope that God wants to use us in these last days to accomplish his mission and his purpose to give hope to other people. Why are so many people giving their life to Christ, even through what we're doing as the bridge? Because they're discovering the true hero of the story who is filled with hope. I love what Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says. We wait, this is talking about the end times. We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's this blessed hope. That phrase blessed hope is attached to the end of days. So we will always be hope driven, not just as a church, but as individual followers of Jesus Christ. The second transformational point that I put down is this. We see everything as temporary. When we understand there is an end of the age, as Jesus said, there's an end of the age coming. This life does not last forever, which I want to talk about next week a little bit more in detail. But what if, what if we just all had this transformational thought that nothing lasts forever? Nothing. I, I love this verse about this truth. Since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. We don't look in the past. We don't look now. We look forward to that day of seeing Jesus Christ. And it says that everything will be destroyed. I'll never forget my student pastor when I was in middle school had a major, major influence on my life. His name was Phil Wilson. And if he's watching, Phil, I love you and I'm indebted to everything you taught me as a middle schooler and high schooler. But I'll never forget this one moment. We take this mission trip to Dublin, Ohio. Now, we are a bunch of teenagers from Satsuma, Alabama. You drive four-wheelers and jacked up pickup trucks to school. That's, the just, that's just what happened and you had your BB gun with you and maybe back then you could carry it in class. I don't know, times have changed. I can't remember completely. Don't send me any emails. But I remember we took a mission trip to help a church in Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> Dublin, Ohio at the time was one of the richest cities in America. When we go to the school that we're helping, their students are driving Mercedes, Porsches, 
we had never even seen cars like that except in magazines. Now we're seeing them in real life. And we are just jaw drop going, look at that car. I can't believe he gets to drive that car. We go to the church that we're assisting for the week. Same thing. Same cars in the parking lot. Then we start going to neighborhoods, talking to people, interviewing people about their religious experience. We had never seen homes this big before. I remember we come back for one of our little session times and I remember our student pastor saying, guys, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Everything that you're seeing. <laughs> oh man, oh, this is crazy. The cars, the house, it's amazing. And then the next words out of his mouth, never forget it. It'll all burn. I'm like, well, you just killed the dream of ever even wanting a Porsche, I guess. I don't know, Phil. But that was his phrase. It'll all burn. It'll all burn. And he said it our entire ministry. Anytime we would see something, he'd just go, hey, just a reminder, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. He was so right. Where did he get it from? His perspective of living for eternity, not for the now. It all burns one day. Now, nothing against having a nice house or nice car. In fact, I'd like to take a ride in your nice car if you have one. So you can... Take me to Starbucks and buy two. But anyway, different story. The third thing that I want us to know about this, this talk of transformation is we must stay on mission. There is a mission Jesus Christ has given us in these last days. The mission is to love him and to love people and to offer hope to the world. We cannot get off of that mission because the times are short. I love this verse. It says this, always be ready. Because you don't know when that time will be. It is like a man who goes on a trip. He leaves his house and lets his servants take care of it. Giving each one a special job to do. And I'm going to talk more about that next week. So make sure you tune in. But I love this part where it says a man going on a trip. You know there's a story that's told in the Bible. Jesus told it. And it's a man going on a trip and he gave his servants something to do. Here's the catch. He never told the servants when he was coming back. Isn't that true? If your parent was going on a trip, you would always ask the next question. If they were to say, now I want your room clean before I come back. What is the next question you would ask them? Type it out. Type, you know the question. Maybe they were going away to work. Maybe they were going away on a literal trip. And they said, I want you to clean the room before I get back. Your next question is, I know you're getting this right. I can't even see it. I know you're getting it right. When are you coming back? Here's why we want to know that answer. Because we will play Atari back in the day. Can I get some Atari fans up in the... Yes, Atari. Pong. Y'all don't know video games back in the day. We would play games until about 30 minutes before if we knew the time. You know you would. It's exactly what I did. Jesus, in the story, never gave the time. Why? He knows us so well. He knows we would play until the last moment. So here's what he says. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to let you know the time. As a matter of fact, my father knows the time. And when it's time, it'll be time. I just want you to be ready and be on mission. And it is a great opportunity for us as a church. We're doing so many things through our Do Good Ministry with Kurt Lawson. We'll be sharing some of those with you later on. 
But it's an opportunity for us as individuals to do what we can. To do good during this time to people who are in need. I want to ask you like I have every single week. Are you ready to see him? If you are, let the video challenge you. Are you using whatever you have, whatever he's given you, to be a hero, to be hope to a world that needs him right now? And if you've never given your life to him, I want to give you the opportunity. Over 30 people have done that in the past three weeks. Maybe you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let him be the hero of your story. If so, I want to lead you in a prayer. So wherever you are, just bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to be my hero. I don't want to be the hero of my story. Because my story is so messed up. My sins have kept me from you. And from enjoying relationships with other people. So the best way I know how, I surrender everything to you. I commit my life to you. I embrace and believe and your death on the cross was for me. Your resurrection was real and I want to see you face to face one day. Thank you for rescuing me today. Thank you for being my hero today. And the best way I know how, I will live for you. From this moment on until the day I see you. In your name I pray. Amen.